Hi, my name is Rita and and I welcome you to IP series where we talk about recent IP cases and development. As we know, intellectual property is everywhere and takes the form of copyright, trademark, patent, industrial design, trade secrets, plant variety, geographic education, and biotech. If this is your first time joining us, please don't forget to favorite my podcast on Anchor. And don't forget that you can also listen to IP series on other platforms like Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Apple and Google Podcasts. For today's Christmas edition, I have a very special guest and we'll be talking about the fusion of IP and technology. As we know, tech is what is running now. Data is king and you need to, you know, up your game and start looking for ways to infuse tech and everything. So let's welcome our guest for today. Cheers, guys. Hey, guys. So let's welcome, let's welcome our next um, guest, our guest for today. Ijoma. Ijoma, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, your background basically? Okay, so my name is Ijoma Onachuku. Um, I'm a New York Bard and Nigerian Bard attorney. Um, I, am, I have a master's in intellectual property law and I'm a privacy professional as well. And um, I'm currently an attorney at Real Networks. Um, Real Networks is a software company in Seattle. And so basically what I do from day to day is <laughs> a lot of software licensing and copyright work to trade secrets, um, trademark here and there. But basically I work in-house and more than the IP and privacy issues that I deal with, I deal with um, a lot of general in-house <laughs> stuff like employment issues and litigation issues here and there. But my master's is in intellectual property law, and um, that's about it. I'm a Nigerian at the core, <laughs> through <laughs> and through. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, that's about it for me. So it's a pleasure to meet you. So because you said, and then your opening remarks talked about working in a software company, an IP person, you deal with trade secrets, um, trademark. What are the ways a creative or a techie person or an or an innovator can commercialize their intellectual property? Um, the most important way to do that is licensing, actually. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's the only way. Well, it's not the only way, but it's the it's the first way to think about because there's no point of having an intellectual property right if yeah. no one can use it, right? So imagine if I write a book. When you write a book, you get... Um, intellectual property rights in your book, right? So copyright, you have copyright in your book. Now, what's the point of the book if no one reads the book, if no one can sell the book, if no one can make movies out of the book? That happens through licensing, right? So in the context of software, the only way to commercialize, the only way we're doing this now, even recording this podcast and even having these communications, even using our computer, it's all because of licensing and it has to be very strategic, right? Um, so licensing yeah. is like the, you know, it's like the first way, making sure you have secured your intellectual property rights. So either by registering, if you want to register, filing for your patents and um, taking the necessary steps and then licensing. That's your um, primary way of commercializing your IP. Interesting. I think yeah, I, I think it's safe for me to say you're a bit partial to licensing because that's like your your main area of um, practice. But mm-hmm. you know, 
is one of those things that happens. <laughs> so it's like the, the relationship between copyright and software licensing. Okay, so um, I think the first thing, I don't know if I, I've not followed a lot of um, posts or podcasts here, but I think it'd be good to also know what software really entails for me to answer that question, right? So um, software is basically a set of instructions, right? Um, a set of instructions that, for lack of a better word, animates your computer, right? So Microsoft Word, it's all software that tells your computer to act in a particular way. Um, it usually comprises of soft, um, source code and object code, right? So source code is what is, um, it's the human readable language. Um, while object code is what the computer actually reads. So it's the machine readable language. And so there are different ways to protect your software copywriting is one of the ways to protect your software and the relationship between copyright and software licensing is that um, software licensing helps you exploit or commercialize your copyright you get so one of the things you do when you're licensing because i'm sure as you already know um Copyright gives you a bundle of exclusive rights. So here in the US, copyright gives you the exclusive rights to reproduce, to create derivative works, to distribute, to display, and software licensing helps you maximize those rights, right? So um, it helps you, um, so if you want to distribute your software, you can license it to Mr. A in China to distribute your software or um, Mr. B in the US to display your software, maybe in an application in, um, in the form of an app, right? Or um, you can license it to um, Mr. D in Nigeria to reproduce, right? So software licensing is really the way to commercialize your copyright. Copyright gives you exclusive rights. Software licensing is the only way any other person, you know, can exercise those exclusive rights and you receive some stream of revenue from it without um, there being the problem of infringement. Because as I said, there's no point having, um, there's no point having this exclusive right if no one can use it. I don't know if I was very clear hmm. on that. But yeah, that basically yeah, is. <laughs> okay. So when can software licensing be used? Because you've been talking about how we can commercialize it, you can give it to XYZ in another jurisdiction. When can we actually use the software licensing? So you can use software licensing practically at any time and every time. So there are different types of software licensing, right? Um, we have upstream licensing or downstream licensing. So upstream licensing, I can give an example is, you know, it's usually where someone has developed within this code and they want to license or they want to collaborate with other developers. So like, if you look at your computer now, your computer is made up of code from like thousands of companies um, from Microsoft, Intel, um, that the list goes on and on. So they must have licensed this um, software to each other, you know, to come up with your computer. So that's upstream licensing, right? It's usually with the big guys at the top who are trying to collaborate to develop. Now downstream licensing happens where, so now we've finished developing this, um, um, this software, we've written this wonderful code, it's now in this beautiful system. Um, 
Now, what do we do with it? We need to find a way to distribute it. So you distribute it to your end users or you distribute it to your resellers. So you either have folks that um, sell your, um, so like let's use Adobe Reader, right? Let's just use that. So Adobe has come up with this nice PDF, you know, version, blah, blah, blah. And now we need to um, distribute it to students who need it. How does that happen? That's through downstream licensing. So maybe you probably have someone who resells for you here in the US who has a big market and would either resell it to you um, as a value added reseller or um, they will sell it to you to your students, to students here in the US or to students in whatever country. But that's how downstream licensing works, right? So you need to think of what you're trying to achieve. If you've come up with this software, you're done with development. So mostly what I do right now is um, we already have products in the company I work with. And so mostly what we do right now is we do more of downstream licenses. So right now we're trying to, you know, um, tap into the market. And that will be through, okay, so we have a reseller in Dubai. So we, 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 ha we will have to license um, the right to distribute our software in Dubai. We have a reseller in the US. We'll have to license the right to use the software in um, the US. Oh, we have someone who wants to incorporate our, our software into a bigger, um, a bigger product. We would have to license um, the software to that um, party to incorporate into a bigger product. So that really is how um, that, that really is how licensing works. It really depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but you have to be very strategic, right? It's like you have a house. Um, I always like using real property and I don't know why, but you have a house, you have a house with six rooms. You have two options. It's either you, you um, lease the entire house to one family or you can lease the six rooms to six different folks, right? You can list the six rooms to these six different folks. It all depends on what your objective is at the time of licensing. Yeah, you did a fantastic job. So what is the intersection of IP and tech? As we know now, tech is what is, you know, trending. People, everyone is fusing tech with every sector and industry. Yeah. You know, recently in Nigeria, Paystack just, you know, sold their their company to strive you know all those measures and acquisition and partnerships and collaboration mm. are all ongoing wow. and that's because there's a fusion of ip tech um the fintech and every other sector out there what is that what's that middle ground that connects these two forms of parties? so it, it's 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 that's an interesting question because right now um, if there's anything, when I think of IP, I actually think of money, <laughs> right? And maybe it's because I'm an evil girl, but when I think of IP, I think of money, and especially in the context of tech. So IP is such a valuable asset. As I said, um, technology, um, I'm sure you know your, your listeners already know this, but there, there is copyright, there's trademark, there's trade secret, there's patents. And all this protects different scopes of works, right? Especially in the context of technology. So um, when you see what the intersection is between tech and IP, you really the question really becomes, how can you exploit all this? 
in the context of your technology, right? So um, trademark will protect your trade, your branding, right? Copyright will protect your code. Trade secrets will protect maybe sometimes stuff that might not be eligible for copyright, right? Or stuff that you might not be able to patent. Um, and then patents, even though there have been some questions as to the patentability of software, it has been a, a very wishy-washy area here in the United States. But um, being able to harness the power of your, you can only harness the power of your technology when you're able to exploit all these rights. And it only comes through, in my opinion, like licensing, right? <laughs> it really does come out through licensing. That's how the world works right now. It's it's how we are able to do anything. So the, the intersection between these two really boils down to you knowing what IP rights you have, ensuring you're protecting these rights and then commercializing it. Because yeah. in reality, there's really no difference. No one wants to create if there is no reward for creation. And that's why US is doing so well and a lot of developed countries are doing so well because they recognize the importance of securing these rights and commercializing it. And, and so it really is a, a, a world of you know learning and innovation to the extent that you know the, the fullness of the rights you have in your software or in your technology. How do you guys resolve disputes that, you know, arise from soft, uh, a disagreement either from the software contract or the parties not wanting to, you know, um, do something? Like, how do you resolve any disputes that um, arises from a software um, agreement? If the only way, the first thing to do is to go back to the agreement, right? Um, that's the normal one thing. So sometimes at the time that you are drafting these agreements, there are issues that, so as much as you're a lawyer, you're a human being too, right? And there's only so much you can foresee. So sometimes what usually happens, what these disputes look like is something has happened and we didn't anticipate it, right? For some reason, um, it was unanticipated within the scope of the agreement. And now it looks like a wishy-washy gray area. Um, as much as possible, it's business first because you'll be working with business teams. Um, and so you're not just there to slap law in the faces of other folks, <laughs> right? As much as possible, yeah. your priority is to maintain the business relationship. So bearing that in mind and that your for businesses, the first goal is not, especially here in the U.S., the, your first request is not litigation. You don't just see a problem and say, okay, yeah, we're going to sue you, right? You are at every point trying to resolve the dispute. It really depends on where the dispute arises from. If it's something that was not anticipated, then we'll make an amendment. Do you get what I'm saying? We amend the agreement to reflect this new development that has arisen, um, if it's something that was anticipated but is a matter of construction, then the legal departments work together, right? Um, and then you come up with some sort of compromise that you know helps the business move forward. Because as I said, especially for the business teams, the, the priority is no litigation. <laughs> as much as possible, that is they don't even want to hear that unless there is no other way out. 
the first option they want to do is how can we amicably dis um, resolve this dispute and that will have to do with a lot of dialogue that will have to involve a lot of um, making compromises here and there ensuring you understand the business goals of your the business team you're working for um, so that you don't go and shoot yourself in the foot or shoot them in the foot because <laughs> you wouldn't like that right so um, yeah. That really is the way that I go about it. Um, the question is a very broad question, so that I'm not sure I can provide how I've resolved like every dispute or how I've been able to resolve every dispute. But I, I always think of the goal. The goal here is what do we want to get out of this? Do we want to get more money out of this dispute somehow? Yeah, we want to. We always want to. <laughs> do we want to? Um, do we want to? Um, do we want to maintain the business relationship? Yes, we want to. So as much as possible, you're always working with the business teams, communicating with them, um, guiding them on, as to what to say. You know, it's it's a very sensitive project because you don't want to mess up the business relationship uh, to the best of your ability, at least. Yeah, so that basically is how I go about resolving um, disputes. Um, would you say um alternative dispute resolution mechanism like arbitration um mediation i know you already mentioned negotiation but these two forms of agr do you think it's advisable yeah. to explore them or you just you know of course um it is so it depends on what you have in your agreement right um in most of the agreements that i prepare yeah. i always make sure there's some sort of um, arbitration, you know, recourse to arbitration first um, before um, legal action. Um, but negotiation is what I'm well versed with. Arbitration, since I have, since, okay. yeah, have I seen any arbitration in a software dispute? Maybe once or twice at most, right? Because as I said, the parties, because once you're already going to arbitration, yeah. arbitration is like quasi-litigation, kind of, right? You get once you're already going that you're involving a third party, things are beginning to escalate. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So at that point, you know, you know things are really yeah. beginning to escalate. And so your best bait at that point is um you know, arbitration obviously is better than litigation. It's shorter in time, um, it's faster, it's cheaper. Obviously, the advantages to it. But to the best of your ability, if you are able to resolve this between you guys without involving the third party and incurring more costs, of course, the business things would um, prefer that before landing at um, litigation. Hey, thank you so much for that insight. I think more negotiation than arbitration. I am an arbitrator, but yeah. So <laughs> any final words for, you know, techies, software developers, software companies, uh, potential software enthusiasts, any future IP practitioner or enthusiasts um, out there? What are your final words? So my final words are will most likely be targeted to more IP professionals. Um, for IP professionals there, IP enthusiasts there, um, look, always look for a way to expand and add value to the company that you're working with or to, to your clients. Um, especially in the context of software, 
especially in the context of, context of technology, privacy is becoming a hot topic. So for folks who always reach out to me asking about oh, IP and all that, I'm like, yeah, pursue IP. But if you can at the same time um, pursue privacy, there really is a hot market um, for privacy right now. Because as I said, the whole world is one global market and data drives technology. Data yeah. does drive technology and it's always worth personal information. And so companies are always at a loss as to how to um, understand the intersection between IP and privacy. It's, it's a really crucial, inter especially when you're preparing these agreements now. You they always need someone who can provide that IP expertise yeah. and privacy expertise at the same time rather than hiring two separate folks. So as much as possible, if you can add value to yourself, privacy is one sure way to go if you're in the tech space. Um, it's one sure way to add value to yourself. Your marketability becomes you, you know, it skyrockets. It, immediately you get the certification. So that would be my... Um, final words of advice and also for folks who are um really interested in ip especially women i like to see women interested in ip i like to see women interested in technology because i really do believe that we bring something to the table that no offense to the guys that a lot of guys do not bring and that is there's a way we are able to the, your ability to Think about multiple issues at the same time. You're able to multitask. It takes a certain kind of skill that I believe, you know, a woman is a well positioned to carry out properly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I really do believe that um, we are more positioned. So I would love to see a lot of women in the market, especially in the IP space, entertainment software it really would be you know an amazing value to bring to any organization that you work with what trends are you looking to see in 2021 going forward the software industry and the ip space the privacy wow. space, that's the um, space. that's that's um i want to say it's up to god <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um Trends to expect for privacy is expect privacy to be a big issue, especially because of COVID. Um, a lot of employers are going to be returning to work, right? A lot of um, employees are going to be returning to work and then they're going to have to use some sort of technology, um, mask detection technology, facial recognition technology, more contactless technologies. And what will drive these technologies? More data. So personal information and IP, the intersection is always, it's the, the overlapping intersection is just going to increase over time. So I expect in 2021 to be crazier mm. um i i in the software in the technology space i'm not sure if there are any particular trends that i'm expecting to see um obviously um more as the market becomes as everything becomes more digitalized right now you can expect to see more global licensing you know more people countries connecting with this country and more international. It's already international now, but it's only going to get, the market is only going to get smaller in the- um, Thank you so much, Ijoma, for the insight into the IP tech, privacy and software world. What 
I'm hoping I uh, learned something new as well. Uh, I hope you also had a good time recording this podcast. Talk issues. Yeah, I can hear you. Yes, I have. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And so we have come to the end of this Christmas IP series edition. I hope you guys learned something new. Let me know in the comment section. Don't forget to like on any of the social media platforms. Don't forget to favorite my podcast on Anchor. And also forget you can listen to hashtag IP series Listen notes and just type in hashtag IPC So let me know what you think about this Christmas edition now. Which episode is your best episode so far? And you can send us an email to ipcseriesinfo at gmail.com. Until the next episode, happy holidays, guys! So we have come to the end of this Christmas IP series edition. I hope you guys learned something new. Let me know in the comment section. Don't forget to like on any of the social media platforms. Don't forget to favorite my podcast on Anchor. And also forget you can listen to hashtag IP Apple, Twitter, Radio Public, um, Listen Notes, and just type in hashtag IP let me know what you think about this Christmas edition now. Which episode is your best episode so far? And you can send us an email to ipseriesinfo at gmail.com. Until the next episode, happy holidays, guys!